0: Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of Trinity Church in Carville, Tennessee, right outside of Memphis. For more information about our church, please visit our website, trinity901.com. So it has been a challenging and difficult week. A week full of heartache, a week full of tears. Gut-wrenching. And when you think about what has transpired in the Memphis area and then you reflect on the fact that today is the anniversary of 9-11 and we are 12 days from, removed from the one-year anniversary of the shootings at the Kroger in Collierville. It's a lot. And as God's people, you hear the comments made by others. How can this happen? Is he there? Is God loving? And then as a believer, you begin to ask the same questions. Why is this happening? Why is this taking place? I don't understand this. It's tiring. And in God's providence, we come to Ruth chapter 4 today. And as I've mentioned in weeks past, this is an unknown author. We do not know who wrote Ruth. But as we come to the culmination of this story in chapter 4, he is saying to us, God is not distant. He's not indifferent. And He is not unloving. Hear that. In light of everything that has taken place in the last several days, it's important to remember as we encounter Ruth, as we dig into the text this morning, that He is not distant. He is not indifferent. He is not unloving. We see in the pages of Ruth particularly in chapter 4, that our God has a plan. Yes, He is mysterious, but He is good, He is loving, He is concerned, He is present, and He is sovereign. Great timing for us this morning. Let us pray. Lord God, that The cries of our hearts are met by the power of Your Word. They are received by the goodness of Your Word. May Your Spirit remind us that You are good and loving and concerned and sovereign and present. Father, forgive the one who speaks, for my sins are great. Set me aside as You speak this morning in the name of Your Son. Amen. So we've come to the conclusion of this story. We've come to chapter 4. And if you will remember from last week, Boaz is the honorable man. And in this passage, he does the honorable thing. He redeems Boaz. Excuse me, Boaz redeems Ruth. And in the process, he redeems Naomi. He takes a difficult and a hard situation, a situation that perhaps does not make sense for Ruth and for Naomi, and he turns it upside down. And we see as the chapter unfolds that not only is Boaz the Redeemer, but in great storytelling fashion, this is the great-grandfather of King David. And so it's It is. It's a beautiful culmination of a well-written story that is telling us that He is an honorable man and that Ruth is a worthy woman and behind the scenes, the main actor is the Lord God of Israel who loves His people and He knows what is best. And sometimes that's not clear to us, but it is true. And so there are... Three things that I want to point to this morning, three things that I want to discuss. Love, trust, and sacrifice. Love, trust, and sacrifice. So last week we mentioned or made allusions to romantic comedies and how Ruth is a love story. And as you navigate your way through chapter four, one of the things that you will begin to think about Is what does it mean to be a husband and a wife? What does it mean to be in love? What does it mean to be a part of a love story? Now, I will tell you the way in which I've been trained to exegete Scripture. This is not the main point of the story. I don't even know that it's inferred in the passage. But I think it provides two characters who help us see what the rest of Scripture is saying about love and about marriage. And I think that is helpful. Again, I've mentioned from last week that Boaz is the honorable and he is the charitable man. The way that Ruth is written, the author is clearly trying to help us understand that this is a man who loved the Lord and listened to His Word. We see him entering the fields and we see him addressing his workers and he uses, in, he uses an aspect of Numbers chapter 6 and the Aaronic benediction. In other words, the author is giving us a clue, a well-written clue, that the Word of God is on his lips, that it is a central part of who he is and that he treats his workers well and that he treats Ruth and Naomi well. And so we're getting insight into this person. He is being propped up. This is someone you should look at. This is someone that you should examine. Yes, we live in a fallen world. And yes, apart, Jesus is the only person who is not, Jesus is the only person who is sinless. He's the only person who's perfect. But take a break and look at Boaz. And then the author is also telling us, and again, we mentioned this last week, that Ruth is the worthy woman. Now, I told you that the Hebrew Bible, excuse me, in the Hebrew Bible, Ruth is followed by Proverbs. Excuse me, Ruth follows Proverbs. And how does Proverbs end? Well, it ends with chapter 31, and it talks about the worthy woman. And then you have Ruth. And so there is a connection, and it's saying, the Hebrew Bible, the chronological order is telling us, look to Ruth, understand who Ruth is in light of Proverbs chapter 31 and how it finishes. So these are two important people. Ruth is dignified, and she is wise, and she is strong, and she is kind. And so the clue that the author is giving us is that Boaz and Ruth trust in the Lord and His Word. Remember, Ruth is the one who said, I will forsake my family. I will forsake my friends. I will go with you, Naomi, to the land of Israel to pursue the God of my dead husband, the God of my father-in-law and you. Even though you have made poor decisions and come to a foreign pagan nation, I am pursuing the covenant lord of israel these are two characters that should be of notice to us that they trust in the lord and that they trust in his word and so they come together in marriage and they have a child a child And so we can take from this, from this grand love story that we see in the book of Ruth, that in marriage, that the Word of God and our covenant Lord should be our focus. That if we want healthy, strong marriages, if we want marriages that last, that the greatest thing that we can do is submit ourselves to God and trust in His Word. Let His Word inform our relationship. So that like Boaz, the words that come out of our mouth are words that are informed by Scripture. And like Ruth, we will do great things for God because of our love for Him. And when we put Him first, when He is central then everything else aligns itself. And I know that in this room there is no perfect marriage. I know, I know this because I'm a fallen creature who struggles with sin. And you are as well. And so as we enter into the relationship that is called marriage, it's going to be accompanied by those sinful problems and struggles. And so we throw our anchor overboard into the depths of God's Word and like Ruth and like Boaz, we look to God, we fear Him, we trust in Him, we put our hope in Him. He is our focus and that is what redeems our marriage. That is what helps us in our relationships. There are... If you go to Barnes & Noble, I was there not too long ago. Yes, there are still bookstores. There are sections on marriage. And there are thousands of books, it seemed. And I just picked up a few of them. And helpful, but mostly human advice. And I think the unknown author of Ruth is telling us, yes, There is counsel in the world that is good, my thought, but the advice of the Lord from His Word is paramount. It is the all in all. And so as we seek to love and serve each other, we pursue Him. And we make Him our focus. And that is a prescription that can help any Christ-honoring, Christ-centered, Christ-focused marriage. C.S. Lewis says, When I have learned to love God better than my earthly dearest, I shall love my earthly dearest better than I do now. What a good word. Secondly, there's trust. Now let's, let's focus in closer on the text. I was inferring from Ruth 4 about marriage and about love and about commitment and about seeking God in His Word. Now, let's, let's look closer and let's see what the author of this passage is trying to help us understand trust and sacrifice. So we notice at the end of the passage a very compelling scene. Naomi has her grandchild On her lap. Now let's remember that this is the same Naomi who returned from Moab and said to the women of Bethlehem Look what God has done to poor old me. It's not fair. He has not been good. I have not been blessed. I am leaving behind my sons and my husband, and they have been buried in the ground of Moab. Look what the Lord has done. Here is the great grandfather of King David in her hands, in her lap. Then there's Ruth. She now has a redeemer. She now has a husband. She is saved. She has hope. And we mentioned in A previous sermon, how difficult and how challenging and problematic it was to be a widow in the ancient Near Near Eastern culture. Redemption. Plentiful redemption. But she's come a long ways. She left Moab, and she left her family, and she left her friends, and she left her buried husband. She pursued the God of Israel who had brought blessing and the famine was over. And then you have Boaz who has stepped up to the plate and has done a wonderful thing. And this has been at great cost for him. Financially, there was no incentive to do what he did. He's bought this land. He's taken on Ruth. They are going to have a child. When the child, when Boaz dies, the inheritance goes to the child, not his, perhaps, other children. So great financial cost. And you know that it wasn't easy to marry a Moabite, they had a long and difficult history with Israel. Pagan nation, pagan gods. So what would it be be like for him to marry a Moabite? And so these are three people who are familiar with the difficulties of life: Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz. And so let's let's stop for a second. Ruth is getting ready to leave Moab and There's her husband, buried in the ground. And Naomi's getting ready to leave Moab. And even though she wasn't aware of the consequences of her sin, there is her husband, Elimelech, and both her sons. That's hard. My father died when I was a child, and I heard my grandmother say, over And over and over again, you never want to bury your child. It's so hard. And there's Ruth. And Boaz. And they had to have been asking the question, why is this happening? Why is this taking place? This doesn't seem fair. As honorable as Boaz is, maybe there was a moment when he's thinking about the financial risk and saying, I need to do this. I have to do this. But why? And so as we reflect on the previous week and we reflect on things that have transpired in the past, it's very easy to ask the question, why? Why? Why has this happened? Why did this take place? Why is life sometimes just so difficult? Conversation with a friend this week, doesn't even live in the 901, wasn't even aware of anything that was taking place here, and he unfolds before me all of the challenges and difficulties that he's facing in his family and in his life. It's hard. It doesn't always make sense. And we don't always understand. Naomi and Ruth and Boaz in the moment did not fully understand. But Ruth and Boaz trusted the Lord. And they did what is right. And so then we come to verse 18. And there's a reason why this genealogy is here. It's a reason why it spells out that Obed was the father of Jesse and Jesse was the father of David. Naomi couldn't see it. Ruth couldn't see it. Boaz couldn't see it. But the Lord, in His covenant faithfulness, saw it. With everything going wrong, God was orchestrating the salvation of His people through these three characters. So we run through the hardness of life trusting in the Word of God that He knows what He is doing. That is that child rested on Naomi's lap, this is a descendant of King David. The fulfillment in part of the Abrahamic covenant where the Lord said to Abraham, I will make your name great and I will save my people. Naomi didn't know it, but when she's petting that child's head... Here is David's grandfather. David will be the great, great, great grandfather, times many, of Christ the King who redeems us from sin and from death and from misery. And so this story is telling us, yes, you're not always aware of what our God is doing, but He is. He has a plan he knows what is He is doing and you are a part of that plan as His people. He has placed His love and His grace and His mercy on you. It is a mysterious, but we should trust. Ruth is telling us the main actor of this story is God and trust in Him. And everything that He does is right and good and perfect Because He is sovereign. And so leave this place this morning with great hope. You're going to leave this place. You're going to go into a fallen world. You're going to go into a dark world. You're going to go into a challenging culture and community where things don't always make sense. But remember the child on Naomi's lap. Remember that child. Remember Obed. And that from Obed comes Jesus, and Jesus brings salvation. He brings an answer to the dark night of the soul. He is the shepherd that brings us through the valley. Trust. And then finally, sacrifice. It's really interesting. In the Hebrew, and again, I am not a Hebrew scholar. I don't even pretend to be a Hebrew scholar. But I have friends that are Hebrew scholars. And I texted one this week. And I said, when I look at the text and I look in the commentaries, it seems like the author is going way out of his way to not mention who this person is. In fact, one commentator said, it's Mr. So-and-so is what it indicates in the Hebrew. Ah, Mr. So-and-so. Ruth's Redeemer that just happened to be at the gate When Boaz arrived, isn't it a great story? I texted my friend, and he said, yeah, that's that's about right. He is really not wanting to tell us who this is. Don't focus on this guy. Focus on Boaz. And so Boaz makes the proclamation about redeeming Naomi and buying her land, and they both were in the family line of Elimelech, and the guy's, yes, I'm on it. I'll handle it. I'll take care of it. Two thumbs up. And then Boaz, in great storytelling fashion, says, Oh, yeah, Ah, I forgot to mention Ruth. And, you know, you'll have to marry her. And you'll have children by her. And this land that you're going to pay a lot of money for will not be yours one day. It will be her children, not your children. And what does he do? Yeah, he backs out. I have a friend that buys rental properties in my hometown. And he went to this rental house. And it just looked like a good deal. Like, this looks like a great deal. Good investment opportunity. And he walks through the house. and He says, gosh, what what am I not seeing? Why is it priced this low? So he calls up his wife and he said, look, sometimes you see things that I don't see. Why don't you come Check it out, and, uh, and then this, this will be a good opportunity for us. So she comes, and he's standing with the realtor, and she's in the back of the house, and all of a sudden she screams uh, louder than she has ever screamed in her t- entire life. She runs through the house. She knocks the realtor over. She knocks the door down or knocks it off its hinges and runs out into the front yard. Well, he goes out there to see what's happening, to see what's taking place, and she said, Rats came out of a corner and they ran all over the place and they ran one went up my leg. The realtor is standing in the front yard and he goes, yeah, it's got a tiny rat problem. The rest of the story. And that's what's happening here. The rest of the story. It's not simply Naomi and buying the land back. It also involves Ruth and that it also involves a risky financial transaction. And so, what do we learn about Mr. So and so? Well, Mr. So and so wasn't willing to make this sacrifice, Boaz was. And isn't that fitting for a descendant of Jesus? The one who has come to make the ultimate sacrifice for us. Boaz was willing to pay the cost. Jesus is willing to pay the cost. Philippians 2, 6-8. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When He appeared in human form, He humbled Himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross, and I will add, for us. For you and for me. He humbled Himself. He made the sacrifice. So Ruth is a love story. But Ruth points to Jesus and to the Gospels and to redemption and to a Savior who is the grand love story. He pursues us in love and humbly sacrifices Himself for those who wanted nothing to do with Him. Let that be an encouragement to your walk this morning, to your marriage and to your questions about who God is and what He is doing. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, our King, our Redeemer, our Savior, thank You for the love that You have placed on us, for redeeming us, saving us, giving us a new record, and bringing sense to a world that is turned upside down. May we trust You and Your Word and the salvation that You give to us even in the most difficult of times.